You got that rocker, MJ in the house, otherwise known as Marty Janetti. You know how we do rocking and roll, starting and strolling, and we're doing it right here on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Keep on rocking. Yeah. But I prefer it when we wildin' Sundress Nothing underneath as we undress You could look in my eyes, see I'm some mess Couple of broken people Trying to complete each other under one breath Don't look in the mirror, look into my eyes When you see your reflection, you'll see what I like You look good in the morning And you don't even know it Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Summer Sal. My name is Sal. I am your host. And tonight we are back with a second episode in the series where I cover SummerSlam. From the first one to the most recent. We got a lot of work to do before we get there, though, because we're only on episode two. That's right. It's SummerSlam 1989. Live from the Meadowlands in New Jersey. You, Jersey. SummerSlam 1989 immediately starts in the most confusing way possible. Because we begin with Tony Schiavone welcoming us to SummerSlam. It's going to be the biggest battleground in the history of our sport. That's right, much like Dusty Rhodes and Arn Anderson, Shivani made his way to the World Wrestling Federation in 1989. Unfortunately for Shivani, his run would be shorter than Barry Windham's time as the stalker. For all you young kids out there, go Google it. Or go put it on YouTube. I'm sure there's a clip somewhere. Tonight, Shivani tells us, that we're going to feel the heat. By the way, I feel like they used that tagline more than once for SummerSlam. When we finally see Tony Schiavone, he looks like he's 16 years old. <laughs> Definitely not uh, the Schiavone I'm used to. Uh, not just on Dynamite, but even going back to Nitro, this is not that Schiavone. This guy looks like a rookie. And speaking of which, tonight he is joined by a man who is going to treat him like a rookie. Jesse, the body, Ventura. Jesse instantly threatens Shivani with bodily harm. So we're off to a great start. We get a nice little opening video that includes two teenagers jumping into a pool Cause, yeah, summertime. Uh, also that might have been Stephanie and Shane. I mean, to be fair, they were holding hands. Uh, we get all sorts of classic summer tropes in the video, including somebody jet skiing. Uh, don't show Brutus that clip. Or maybe that's where he got the idea from. But we begin tonight with the WWF Tag Team Championships. 
the Hart Foundation will take on the champions, the Brain Busters. Now, on paper, this looks really fucking good. Uh, recently turned babyface Hart Foundation uh, versus what was one of the best tag teams in the NWA, Tully and Arn. Uh, wait, hold up, hold up. I have just been informed by Tony Schiavone that this is a non-title match. That's strange. Why would they put a non-title match at SummerSlam? I guess the reasoning that Jesse gave was that when they signed the match, uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard weren't the champions yet. Okay. And then when they became the champions, Shivani says they should have put the titles up for, on the line tonight. And Jesse says, would you have? And Shivani says, you know what? I think I would. And I'm like, bullshit. Bullshit. Anyway, back to our tag team match. Uh, the first part of the match is dominated by the baby faces. Uh, Brett puts on an absolute clinic with Tully and Arn. Uh, Nightheart does his job and overpowers the Brainbusters when needed. After about 10 minutes of the baby faces completely dominating, uh, the heels finally take control. The Brainbusters get some heat on Anvil until Anvil comes off the ropes and his forehead collides with the back of Arn Anderson's head. Ouch. Both guys go down. Anvil tries to tag out, but Arn cuts him off. Nightheart sends Arn off the ropes, and Brett knees him in the kidney because Brett's a good guy. This allows Anvil to finally tag out to Brett, and Arn tags out to Tully. Brett comes in, and he beats the shit out of Tully. Uh, and then he beats up Anderson just for good measure. Hard Foundation hit a nice double team on the Brain Busters, but Bobby Heenan jumps up in the apron to distract the ref. This allows Arn to jump off the second rope and hit Brett with a double axe handle to the back of the head. And then Tully covers Brett for the win. Wait. That's it? Then again, it is 1989. And things like that actually did finish matches back then. Uh, let's go backstage to another NWA legend who found his way to the Fed in 1989. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will. Tonight, Dusty Rhodes, you're going to be meeting the Honky Talk Man, your last minute Ooh, thoughts. Ooh, let me tell you about my thoughts tonight. I've been so excited since my first date with Sally Gooden. And besides that, the facts are in. The man say, Dusty Rose, I am the proprietor of Heartbreak Hotel. I am the man that wears the blue suede shoes. You can't sing. <laughs> Proved you wrong. You can't dance. We know I can dance circles around you. And now you say, prove to me in public, if you will, come and get it. 
in SummerSlam. Excitement galore. So honk it on. Tonight, just a few moments, you get your opportunity to show the public that Dusty Rose can't wrestle. And brother, you can mark this one down tonight. I'm going to kick your booty. Ha! Match number two, Dusty Rhodes versus the Honky Tonk Man. Dusty coming out tonight with a police officer hat and a nightstick. Because, you know, that classic Dusty Rhodes character, Officer Rhodes. Dusty and Honky Tonk then have a hip-swiveling contest to start. According to New Jersey, Dusty wins. This match features a ton of comedy. It's it's WWF Polka Dot Dusty Rhodes versus I already lost my Intercontinental title a year ago. You know, <laughs> literally exactly a year ago. Uh, and they have nothing for me. So, <laughs> of course, this match is going to be comedy. It's match number two. At SummerSlam, if we go through the the years, and we will, I guarantee you that match number two is usually going to be the comedy spot. <laughs> uh, Dusty Rhodes then does the unthinkable, and he messes up Honky Tonk Man's hair. Hilariously, it doesn't actually move. I mean, he did miss it up, but it, then it just like went back to the way it was. Uh, Dusty makes Honky Tonk look like a fool for the beginning portion of the match until the Colonel, Jimmy Hart, grabs Dusty by the ankle when he's coming off the ropes. Dusty chases after him. Jimmy Hart slides the megaphone into the ring. Honky Tonk Man grabs it and hits Dusty in the ribs behind the ref's back. Now Honky Tonk Man is in control, and he gets some heat on the American Dream. Dusty starts coming back, but when he charges in, Honky Tonk Man sidesteps him and shoves Dusty into the ref. Honky Tonk Man then calls for Jimmy Hart. The colonel jumps on the apron with the guitar. Honky Tonk Man holds Dusty's arms, and Jimmy swings, but Dusty ducks. And Jimmy Hart nails Honky Tonk Man with the guitar right on top of the head. And it doesn't break. So it wasn't giving. <laughs> Whoops. Dusty falls up with an elbow drop just for funsies and covers Honky Tonk Man for the win. Your winner, Dusty Rhodes in 1989 at SummerSlam wearing a policeman's hat and carrying a nightstick. That's actually a thing that happened. Oh, huh. <laughs> By the way, after the match, we throw to Sean Mooney, who's in the crowd. He tries to get a word with Jimmy Hart and Honky Tonk Man. And Honky Tonk Man gives us some type of, you know, classic um, Elvis lines. Because he's supposed to be knocked stupid, you see. Because in 1989, concussions are funny. Let's go backstage to talk to Mean Gene. He is with Demolition and their partner for tonight, King, 
I'm not kidding you, King Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Duggan not only has the crown on, uh, he's also wearing one of those gimp masks that Demolition wear to the ring. Uh, hmm. How much cocaine did these guys do tonight? Seriously. Uh, speaking of, Hacksaw says Demolition have taught him only one way to think. Destroy! Attack! Destroy! No more drugs for that, man. Seriously. Uh, he, by the way, he doesn't even take the gimp mask off for the promo. Cuts the promo with the crown and the mask. <sighs> okay, so that was the thing. Match number three is Sands manager, so this is a little weird. Mr. Perfect, without Bobby Heenan or the coach. I understand the coach didn't come till 91, but I'm just saying. Apparently Heenan hadn't gotten a hold of Perfect yet either, but Mr. Perfect versus the Red Rooster. To which I put in my notes, good God, why? <laughs> uh, and, and to my point, Perfect embarrasses Rooster for maybe about three minutes before finishing him off with a Perfect Plex. A baby face with a red mohawk just got squish-squashed on pay-per-view. Yikes. We then get a quick commercial for Survivor Series coming up in November. But it's in November, so why are you telling me this now? And trust me, I grew up during the four pay-per-view era. I get it. I'm just saying. Uh, let's go to Gene Oakland, who's with the Intercontinental Champion, Rick Rude, and his manager, Bobby the Brain Heenan. I didn't realize this. Because this version has a second cut of this promo. But this is the promo. This is the promo where Gene Oakland's getting ready to introduce, or I'm sorry, to interview Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan. And the SummerSlam sign falls. And Gene swears. And it's fantastic. But first... Here's the promo without the classic fuck-up. Gentlemen, as you know, the Ultimate Warrior has promised that after his match with you tonight, that he will once again wear the Intercontinental Championship belt. You've got to have some thoughts on that, Rick Root. Well, little man, promises are made to be broken, along with arms, legs, necks, and hearts. Tonight, in all the heat of SummerSlam, I will prove the warrior is nothing more than the ultimate liar and that I am the ultimate intercontinental champion. All right, Bobby Heenan, also made to be broken are rules. And if we have to, we will break those rules to keep this title. Now, when you made this promise to all your humanoids, all your little warriors out there with their ugly little mushes painted, big deal, tough. Because you lied them and you let them down. Because you're not going to capture this. But I'll tell you one thing you're going to do. You're going to be doing something different tomorrow. You're not going to have to paint your face. Because you're going to have a blue eye and a black eye. Courtesy of the Intercontinental Champion. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's get back to the arena. And here's the classic fuck-up one. 
Gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior. Fuck it. It's publicly stated that... Damn it, who put that up? Is that $200 an hour? I prefer the fuck up, personally, because it shows us that anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Match number four, it's six-man tag time. The Rockers and Tito Santana versus the Fabulous Rougeaus and Rick Martel. For those that don't remember, we are still in the middle of the Rick Martel versus Tito Santana feud when Strike Force broke up at WrestleMania back in April. Sadly, the feud seems to have fizzled rather than ignited, but maybe tonight it can kind of move along a little bit. Side note, the fabulous Rougeaus coming out to all American boys and waving tiny American flags is some underrated top-tier heel shit. I love it. I've grown to appreciate it more as I've gotten older. Seriously, great stuff. Great stuff. Speaking of great stuff, the heels get a ton of heat on Santana, and to his credit, Tito Santana sells his ass off for them. We get the classic hot tag spot where Tito crawls to his corner, reaches out, and finally tags in Shawn Michaels. Michaels cleans house. And then him and Marty start hitting some double-team moves. Then all six people are in the ring. And the Rockers manage to Irish whip the Rougeaus into Martel. It's like an episode of the Three Stooges out there. <laughs> Amidst all this chaos, Martel rolls up Janetti, who was not the legal rocker. And the heels win. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Raph? Marty Jenny does not look like Shawn Michaels. How the hell do you screw that up? Well, whatever. Uh, honestly, that was kind of fun. And a great pace, especially for 89. I got a kick out of that match. From there, we go to a video package for Rick Rude versus The Ultimate Warrior. We go through their pose down at the Royal Rumble all the way to Rude cheating to win at WrestleMania Five. Plus, we get Rude Jumping Warrior on Superstars two weeks ago. And in that clip, we get Andre choking out Warrior as the Heenan family are determined to eliminate the Ultimate Warrior once and for all. We cut to Gene, who is with the Warrior, but Gene doesn't get to ask a question. Instead, Warrior just screams his head off about power and gods, and powerful gods, and Andre and Rick Rude. It's his usual level of insanity. Match number five, Intercontinental Championship time, Rick Rude versus the Ultimate Warrior. I noticed at this point that because the tag title match was not a tag title match, and because Hogan is in a tag match tonight, that the only title defended on this episode of SummerSlam, this episode, fucking Peacock, is the Intercontinental Championship, which is fine, because SummerSlam has had some fantastic Intercontinental title matches, 
the year prior to this, notwithstanding when Warrior squashed Honky Tonk Man in 16 seconds. Uh, Rude comes out to the ring, does his usual sweat hog shtick. Warrior comes out to the ring like he just got into Tony Montana's stash. Shivani tells his Warriors promised all his little Warriors that tonight he wins back the Intercontinental title. Oh, good. So a baby face like Warrior promises that? That means I can skip forward, right? <laughs> I can just skip ahead. Uh, perhaps I should have. Warrior no-sells Rude's offense for the first 10 minutes, and he beats Rude up all over the ring. Then on the outside, Warrior takes the Intercontinental title belt and hits Rude across the back with it. I would like to remind you that this is a regular match contested under regular rules, and that Tim White, yes, he was there back then, is counting both men out, staring at these actions dead on. So Jesse Ventura correctly screams that this should be a DQ, but Shivani counters with, it was outside the ring, so it doesn't count. The fuck? Since when? <laughs> oh, by the way, don't you worry. Jesse rips him a new one for that. Uh, Warrior continues the onslaught and hits Rue with an atomic drop, and we get a classic Rick Rue atomic, atomic drop cell. If you have never seen that, go to YouTube right now and go watch Rick Rude atomic drop cell. Or just Rick Rude Atomic Drop, and you will die laughing. Uh, let's see here. Warrior goes up top, but Rude catches Warrior and crotches him on the top rope. And then Rude, Rude seizes control and goes to work on the lower back of the Warrior. Smart. Very smart. Uh, Rude sets up for the Rude Awakening, but Warrior powers out of Rude's grip. That got a big pop. Warrior takes a big swing, but Rude ducks and applies a sleeper. Rude actually gets Warrior down to one knee, but Warrior powers himself up and delivers a jawbreaker. Warrior goes off the ropes, and Rude charges at him, and they collide in the middle of the ring. Unfortunately, Rude falls backwards right on top of Joey Morella. So now all three are dead. I just realized how true that statement is, and that kind of makes me sad. Uh, Rude makes it to his feet, but then Warrior goes all impervious to pain, violent seizure mode. Uh, Warrior nails Rude with the Warrior Splash, but there's no ref. Warrior slaps Joey Morella around a bit, and Morella comes too, because that's what you have to do with a referee. You just have to, like, Beat him up some more until they wake up. Uh, Morella crawls over to count, but Rude gets his foot in the rope right before three. Rude and Warrior go back and forth. Neither can get the neither one can put the other one away. Uh, as they fight, Rowdy Piper comes down to the ring. Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Uh, according to Shivani, there's been a lot of animosity between Rude and Piper. Rude finally notices the hot rod, and they start mouthing off to each other. Rude swivels his hips in Piper's face, so Piper bends over and lifts his kilt at him. 
he may or may not have been wearing underwear. You can find out for yourself if you want to watch this bag. Uh, this this makes Rude mad, and he jumps up on the second rope, and he's screaming and pointing at Piper, and then enter the warrior, who snatches up Rude from behind and delivers a released German suplex. Because that's what I want to do. I want to take a German suplex from the Ultimate Warrior. Holy shit. Uh, warrior with the flying shoulder tackle, gorilla press, warrior splash, and once again, Intercontinental Champion. Good for the Warrior. He made good on his promise. Plus, we needed to do that because of where we're going in six months. And where we're going in six months is Toronto, Canada. But I reviewed that on a series long, long forgotten called WrestleMania Salvation. So I ain't trying to go back and watch that again. It was fun, but it was just a long fucking... All the WrestleManias were three hours plus, even the old ones. At least SummerSlams on the network, or on the cock, as it were, are like 240. You know, like not too bad. Trust me, I know that later SummerSlams go five or six hours. I'm just saying. These early ones are a little bit more easy, easier to digest. Uh, as soon as I say that, let's go to Sean Mooney in the crowd for no reason. Uh, Mooney tells us how loud and excited the fans are. Mind you, this is while the Warriors music is still playing. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> We go back to the ring. That was pointless. We go backstage to Gene, and he's joined by Mr. Perfect. Perfect brags about beating the Red Rooster and calls him a stepping stone. You're not kidding. He reminds everyone that nobody beats Mr. Perfect. Nobody. Perfect leaves, and Piper shows up. Good God. Piper is out of his mind. Roddy, Roddy Piper, come on in. Thumbs up. A little celebrating for you here, I like Pete Rose, too. Next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to drive Voyager 3. That's what I'm going to do next. What's a Scotsman wear under his kilt? You're not asking me a question like, what's how a, would I know? What? How would you know? His shoes. I can get a little rude myself there, young fella. You want to have a party? I want to tell me something. The Heenan camp, who's running that? George Steinbrenner? Steinbrenner? Is that his uh, name? I think who's Bobby Heenan is still in control last time I checked. Bobby Heenan, the eunuch of the WWF. Everybody's got to pay the piper sooner or later. You want to play and have fun, rude? And... And now you ain't the champion no more, you know what? I thought you made such a... <coughs> good cha- I can't be rude. A good champion I thought you made of my friend, the ultimate warrior, who is now standing out there, the intercontinental champion, and I suppose you're going to say it's my fault, you know? And I start thinking to myself, I say, of course it's my fault! Did you think I was going to let you get away with that? Kind of a bit of a wreck myself, you know? Got a little reputation that I got to uphold. You think I ain't dealt with gorillas like you before? It's been wonderful to see you. A couple of things I'm going to do. I'm going to eat a garage. <laughs> and I'm going to watch some more of these matches. And, uh... <laughs> gonna get rude <laughs> all right only one of a kind rowdy rowdy piper one of a kind is certainly accurate uh we must be at intermission because after piper leaves rugged ronnie garvin shows up in a tux 
this isn't even switching scenes. This is everybody just walking in to talk to Gene. And by the way, nothing says rugged like a tuxedo. Gene asks what the special occasion is, but Godfrey won't tell him. And then, of course, Bobby the Brain Heenan shows up. Heenan and Rick Rube. Dude, both of them are so pissed. So pissed. Bobby screams his head off, and then Rude screams his head off, and then it's actually so over the top that it's kind of funny. Obviously, how dare you, Piper, I'm going to get you. Blah, blah, blah. It's a shame that didn't turn into one of the great feuds, Piper and Rude. And when I say great feuds, I mean, like, even, um... Piper's feud with, like, Bret Hart seems more memorable than Piper's feud with Rick Rude. Or Piper's feud with Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. And that got Virgil to turn on on DiBiase. That was fun. That was more memorable than Piper and Rude. But I don't know why. I guess maybe they never really got the story. You would think that would be a good pairing for this era. When we finally get back to the desk, Jesse then starts screaming at Shivani. Shivani tells him to settle down, which I chuckled at, and then tells us we're going to take a five-minute intermission. On top of what we just did? (laughs) Sure. Uh, Thankfully, Peacock cuts this out, which is nice of them, considering how much they fuck up normally. Uh, when we come back, Gene throws us to a recap package of Hogan's feud with Savage and Zeus. Uh, Zeus has a weird contact in one eye, and it makes him look like he has a crazy eye. It's strange, even for 1989. Also, Beefcake's there. Match number six, Andre the Giant! And the Twin Towers. Versus King Duggan in Demolition. On a lot of these series that I do when I cover retro pay-per-views, there's a lot of things that don't age well. Right? We'll talk more about that later. But there's a guy in the crowd that the camera focuses in on that is holding a poster that says, Demolition will topple the Twin Towers and actually has a little drawing of the Twin Towers, you know, the ones that were across the Hudson in New York City. (sighs) That's gotta be... uh, (laughs) You know, there's a Twitter account called Wrestling Without Contact. Right? Without context. Um, I can imagine this, uh, you know, screenshot of this sign would get put on there. <laughs> Just what, what, what are the, and, and what are the chances, not only that there's a sign, what are the chances that Vince decides that's the sign he wants to put on TV during the entrance? <laughs> <sighs> Stay tuned for more of things that did not age well. Uh, Demolition and Hacksaw come down to the ring with their gimp masks. 
when they take them off, we see why Duggan didn't take it off when he was backstage with Gene, because Duggan has painted his face just like his teammates. Except for instead of using the same designs that Demolition do, Duggan has painted an American flag over his face. So he looks like one of those fans in the end zone at the Giants game. Or even the Patriots game, to be quite honest with you. Oh, man, that looks stupid. (laughs) In fact, my next note is, never mind, Axel, I just put the mask back on. We're good. Uh, Now, this match, again, another match on paper that you'd think it would be pretty good. We have Big Boss Man. We have Akeem. Um... We have Andre the Friggin' Giant, uh, and we have Demolition, and that's always fun. But, man, this match is boring as all hell, like... And and mind you, let me tell you why. Andre isn't in good health, hasn't been for a couple of years, but now it's, it's to the point where they're going to have to have him start doing only tag team matches, which is, you know... So we're about a couple months away from from him teaming with Haku. So Andre's, you know, not really participating in this match. We'll call it that. And then you got um, Akeem and Bossman, but they're just kind of fatting around, so it doesn't really do anything either. <laughs> it's boring, man. It's it's not good. Uh, and then, for no fucking reason at all, Duggan grabs his two by four. Which tonight is also painted like an American flag. And behind the ref's back, he cracks Akeem in the face with it and covers and gets the win. So, let me get this straight. (laughs) The baby face uses a weapon, a very fucking large one compared to some of the other wrestling weapons, and hits a dude in the face... And the crowd cheers. And Shivani cheers. And he gets the win. Yay, 1989. (laughs) Uh, Then we go to Gene Oakland for the 15th time tonight. He is with the Million Dollar Man. DiBiase says he's ready for his match tonight against Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Virgil mean mugs the camera the whole time. DiBiase also decides that now's a good time to get racist and says Snooka is nothing more than a primitive native scavenging for coconuts and bananas. And cover-ups. For murder. We go back to the ring so Fink can introduce our very special ring announcer. It's Rugged Ronnie Garvin! Oh, that explains the tuxedo. Uh, According to Tony and Jesse, Garvin was banned from being a wrestler and then banned from being a manager. Garvin gives proper introductions for uh, for the face in this match and completely shits on the heel. Let's talk about that face and heel, shall we? Match number seven, the Mighty Hercules. Versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. I know this one's going to be hard to believe, 
But Greg the Hammer Valentine is the heel. I know. I know. I can't see it. I'm I'm kidding, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I can, I don't think I've ever seen him play babyface. And if I have, <laughs> I don't think he did it well. Uh, Garvin verbally tears into Valentine, so much so that I start wondering if they're going to do a switcheroo and they're going to have Garvin fight Valentine. Uh, Valentine continues to point and scream at Garvin. So, Garvin is done at doing the introductions, right? And Valentine just starts screaming his head off at him while the referee's trying to separate them. And Garvin starts to leave. But Valentine talks so much shit that Garvin actually comes back in the ring and he threatens like he's going to punch Valentine in the face. And then Hercules just comes over and does it for him. And then the bell rings. So, everybody's happy. Uh, Hercules then gets in pretty much all his offense. And every time the hammer powders outside, he goes straight in Ronnie Garvin's direction and starts yelling at him. To say that Greg Valentine is distracted in this match would be an understatement. Despite the distraction, however, Valentine rolls up Hercules and puts his feet on the ropes so he can get the added leverage, and he gets the win. So let me get this straight. You had the advantage. You had... Valentine distracted with Ronnie Garvin and you're the mighty Hercules and you still lose? Uh, Mr. Spiteful uh, Ronnie Garvin gets the microphone and he goes in the ring and he says, as far as I'm concerned, the winner of the match is Hercules. Referee tries to reason with Garvin. And Garvin says, okay, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he grabs the microphone again and says, ladies and gentlemen, I was misinformed. The winner of the match by DQ is Hercules. As soon as he says this, Valentine lunges at him. Valentine ends up clocking him right in the mouth, and that sends Garvin to the outside. Hercules and Valentine then start punching each other until Garvin gets back in the ring. And returns the right hand to Valentine, sending him tumbling to the outside. We go to the back, where Gene is with Macho Man Zeus and Sensational Sherry. They're in front of a cauldron. Oh, it's this period in Sherry's career where she was weird. And call a scary Sherry for nothing. Oh, by the way, I apologize. They're in front of the cauldron of madness, to be specific. Not to be confused with the goblet of fire or the pick of destiny. <laughs> Sherry plays fortune teller and says that she sees the end of Hulkamania. Boy, if I had a dime for every heel in the WWF in the 80s that said that. Uh, Savage calls Beefcake the weak link, he's not wrong, and brags that the human wrecking machine Zeus is impervious to pain. Ah, yes, Zeus. 
the man who had a couple of scenes, a few scenes, with uh, Mr. Hulk Hogan in Hogan's acting debut in No Holds Barred. <sighs> More on Zeus in a little bit. We'll get there. But first, match number eight, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase versus Superfly, Jimmy Snooker. When Fink introduces DiBiase, he says DiBiase is making his summer residence in Hyannisport, Massachusetts. First of all, I died laughing because it reminded me of Tyler Breeze saying his seasonal residence. But second, I've been to Hyannisport. And you would have thought the Million Dollar Man would have chose like the Hamptons or something. Hmm. DiBiase snatches the microphone after the intro and says he's the Million Dollar Man. He's the Million Dollar Champ. And he's the man who ended Jake the Snake Roberts' career. DiBiase tries to cheap shot Snooker before the bell, but it backfires. And Snooker ducks and drops DiBiase with a drop kick out of the ring. Superfly attempts a leapfrog and executes it perfectly. DiBiase goes off the ropes and Superfly attempts it again, but this time he fucks it up horribly and Snooker's ass collides with Ted's face. That's right, folks. Jimmy Snooker just went ass to mouth. After only a few moments into the match, Superfly goes for the Superfly splash, but Virgil jumps up in the apron. Snooker jumps down from the top turnbuckle and chases after Virgil. Snooker and Virgil exchange strikes, but no DQ from the ref. Probably because it was on the outside. With Snooker's back turned, DiBiase attacks with a double axe handle from the apron. DiBiase has the advantage now, and he shoves Snooker face first into the ring post. Million Dollar Man gets back in the ring. And Snooker doesn't. He gets counted out. I'm not kidding you. 1989. Your winner by countout, Ted DiBiase. Here's the best part. Immediately following the bell, Snooker attacks both heels. <laughs> uh, I don't understand. Uh, he hits DiBiase with a flying forearm, sending him out of the ring. And then Snooker, Snooker picks a fight with poor Virgil. And fucking Virgil becomes the sacrificial lamb, and, and Snooker hits him with the superfly splash. Snooker, who, mind you, lost, celebrates as his music plays. Fucking 1989. Let's go to Sean Mooney, who is being groped and molested by the fans in the balcony. He says, you ain't seen nothing yet. Keep your clothes on there, Mooney. We will, or we won't come back to you next time. After that, we go to the all-important interview. The whole reason that Mean Gene Oakland is here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the WWF Champion. 
here at SummerSlam, Brutus the Barber Beefcake and the World Wrestling Federation champion, Hulk Hogan. You know something mean, Gene? Ever since me and the barber hooked up, we've been hanging and banging, brother. And we also been riding our Harley Davidsons through a lot of heavy traffic, dude. But on the way to the Meadowlands today, when we hit the George Washington Bridge, it was in a standstill. So me and the barber, we just looked at each other, brother, and we decided to head for the water, brother. We headed for the Henry Hudson River, and just like Moses parted the Red Sea, that's exactly what happened when the pythons started heading for the river. And once we crossed the river, Mean Gene, everybody on Interstate 95 pulled off to the side. All the Hulkamaniacs with the stares in their eyes, with their jaws hanging, with the dumbfounded looks, couldn't believe the largest arms in the world hanging on to a pair of ape hangers, ready to do battle. They couldn't believe the gleam in the barber's eyes. And we know why, don't we, Brutus? You know me, Gene. <laughs> These are titanium yeah. steel blades. They will cut through absolutely anything. You know, I love the blades, Gene. <laughs> the blades are part of me. Now, madness, listen up. Because I'm going to make them part of you. <laughs> I can't believe that, Hulk Hogan. You better believe it, me, Gene. Yeah. But the thing that all those Hulkamaniacs that were stopped on the side of the road couldn't believe was the package I had riding on the back of my fender, brother, with those long, sexy, curvaceous legs that wrapped around me, with the arms that hung onto my waist for dear life, with a set of headlights that were pointed straight ahead, brothers, and the smile of across the secret weapon's face, just like an acre of sunshine. Satisfaction guaranteed. We're going to take it to him, brother. We're going to wipe out the macho man. We're going to destroy Zeus. And then we're going to get Scary Sherry and put her in her place. What are you dudes going to do when the barber, the blade, and Hulkamania run wild on you? Get ready for the big main event here at SummerSlam. Wow. Okay, so it's not just Duggan that's doing the hard drugs. These two apparently right there with them. Okay, so first off, none of what Hogan said happened. None of it. And second, did he just call his secret weapons boobs headlights? Is that what he said? Also, if he's talking about Liz, I, I hope Savage cracks him in the mouth for that one. Uh, we go to the ring where Macho Man's brother, the genius, which I don't think we're supposed to know at this point, uh, but yet he recites a poem about how awful Hulk Hogan is and how awesome Randy Savage is. Well, <laughs> I don't know if there's like a kayfabe reason why genius is out there reciting promos for his brother in the main event, um, but I'm not familiar with it. It doesn't ring a bell. Although maybe maybe it was canon. Maybe we did know it was his brother. Commentary didn't mention it. It was just like low-card heel recites poem making fun of Hulkamania and putting over the macho man Randy Savage. But what's the connection? I don't know. Again, it was probably common knowledge. I just didn't know if it was canon that him and Savage are brothers. Uh, speaking of Savage, his music begins, and here we go. Your main event of the evening, 
A SummerSlam with another tag match. Savage and the man they call Zeus versus Hogan and Beefcake. First thing I notice, Savage comes out to the ring with Zeus. Sherry accompanies them. Sherry has a very weird, out-of-character braid that goes very far down her back and then splits into a ponytail. Huh. That's, uh... Hmm. I, I think I can see where this is going. Beefcake then enters and waits around until Hulk Hogan decides to show up. And then Hogan has his full entrance... Complete full pose. Barely acknowledges his tag team partner when he gets in the ring. Sorry, brother. Sorry, brother Brudai. But this is my spotlight, dude. Uh, Jesse mocks the fact that Elizabeth didn't show up. So I guess it was hinted at heavily that it was going to be Elizabeth. Again, he called ho- he called her, her, her tatas what exactly? Q Hogan whispering to Howard Finkel. Fink then introduces the first lady of the WWF, Miss Elizabeth. She comes out to a huge pop. It's a shame they couldn't utilize her in a better fashion than just manager who claps and slaps people at ringside in the WWF. I feel like she was utilized a little bit more in WCW as far as in the story, but yeah, Liz didn't do much. I know she was super over. Everybody fucking loved her. I loved her, but I'm just saying like she was very limited. Whatever. She played a very important role in our first SummerSlam main event last year. So let's see if lightning strikes twice. When Elizabeth gets in the ring, Savage takes a lunge towards her and acts like he's going to hit her. Hogan immediately steps in front and Savage backs off. Like, I was just playing, dog. I was just playing. (sighs) This is such a weird dynamic. (laughs) This match really pushes those lines. Uh, the bell rings and all four men stop brawling, but Hogan's punches have zero effect on the mighty Zeus. Hogan resorts to raking the eyes, but Zeus just shrugs it off. Hogan tries to pick Zeus up, but Zeus drops him with a clubbing up blow across the spine and then chokes Hogan on the mat. Zeus continues to no-sell Hogan's offense and locks him in a bear hug. You know, it's a shame that Zeus was terrible at wrestling. Dude's got the look. Fucking chiseled out of stone, six foot eight, six foot nine. You know. Dude looked like a fucking world champion, but. God, was he limited. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, he has Hogan in a bear hug. Get used to that. And then Savage tags himself in. Savage pummels Hogan, and then Zeus gets tagged back in, and Zeus locks in another bear hug. This one for a really long time. 
at one point, mind you, this is a front bear hug. At one point, Zeus hugs Hogan down to the mat and then is pretty much straddling him while also holding him in a bear hug. It's kinky. Hogan pops alternate shoulders off the mat as he almost gets counted out multiple times. Um, but, uh, you know, Jesse says it perfectly. How's Hogan going to get out of this? Uh, he doesn't really. Zeus just, while still holding the bear hug, just kind of stands up and Savage once again tags himself in. <laughs> Uh, Savage with a little bit of offense. Hogan does manage to create some separation. He crawls to his corner to tag out to Beefcake. Brutus comes in, drops Savage with a clothesline. Brutus goes off the ropes and hits a high knee. Insert booty man joke here. Brutus covers, but Savage kicks out at two. Savage is so mad that he almost got pinned by Brutus the Barber Beefcake that he takes a swing at Earl Abner. (laughs) Oh, the madness. Savage gets whipped off the ropes again, but this time Brutus locks him in a sleeper. Sleeper, by the way, was Brutus's finishing move at this point. Uh, Savage almost passes out, but instead tags in Zeus. And then somehow, someway... Brutus ends up behind Zeus and applies the sleeper to him. Savage tries to get in the ring, and so does Hogan at the same time. Hebner stops Hogan, so Savage takes Sherry's purse and hits Beefcake in the back of the head. Beefcake not only lets lets go of the sleeper, Beefcake is out cold. Savage then once again tags himself in so he can get the pin, but Hogan breaks it up. Savage runs to the outside to go after Elizabeth, but Hogan runs after him to stop it. Zeus tags in and chokes Beefcake against against the middle rope. We are well into this match. I've gotten a bear hug and a choke on multiple occasions. I swear to God, Mr. T did more wrestling moves that Mr. Tiny is doing here. (sighs) Savage tags himself in again, and then Macho and Beefcake lay each other out with clotheslines. Beefcake tags out to Hogan, and Hogan prevents Savage from tagging in Zeus. That is, until Sherry trips Hulk coming off the ropes, and Savage drops Hulk with a clothesline. Savage tags out to Zeus, but before Zeus comes in, Savage goes up top, and he hits the flying elbow drop. Tell me if you heard this one before. Hogan immediately gets up. He atomic drops Savage out of the ring, and because he was tagged in before the elbow drop, in comes the human wrecking machine, Zeus. For some reason, Hogan's punches have slightly more effect now. He even gets Zeus down to one knee after three big clotheslines. 
With this, Sherry jumps up on the apron, so Liz pushes her by the foot, so Sherry goes head over tea kettle and ends up taking a flat back on the mat. Savage tries to attack from the top rope, but Brutus pushes Savage off, who lands awkwardly between the ropes. I think he was supposed to crotch the ropes, but he missed. It was weird. With Savage down, Hogan grabs the purse, and he clocks Zeus across the jaw. Zeus's stare goes blank, so Hogan hits a body slam, and then he comes off the ropes, and Hogan hits the leg drop for the win. That entire match, Hulk had three successful moves against Zeus. Two of them were legal. (laughs) The body slam and the leg drop were legal. The only other success Hogan had was with the purse. That was obviously a loaded purse. And the eye rake kind of had an effect. (laughs) I mean, I guess they were hoping they could use him again. I don't know. Why have Zeus no sell Hogan's offense? The entire match its just kind of weird. After the leg drop and the pinfall, Hogan looks up and catches Sherry coming into the ring, about to hit Hogan with the purse. Hogan gets up, wagging his finger as Hogan is wont to do. He shakes his fist at Sherry and she backs off. He threatens to punch her in the mouth. And Shivani pretty much says... I mean, she was being a bitch. Instead, Hogan hits an atomic drop. And this sends Sherry into Liz, and then Liz clocks her with the purse right in the face. Sherry is then out cold. This allows Brutus and Elizabeth to prop her up, and Liz grabs Sherry by the ponytail. You know, the one I said looks strangely long and out of character. Lo and behold, where does Brutus cut her hair? On this fucking fake ponytail. So Sherry didn't actually get her hair cut. Sherry got her extensions cut, which I can't blame her. I wouldn't want Bruce the Barber Beefcake trying to cut my hair for real either. Hogan and Beefcake pose like it's 1989. Elizabeth claps. Hogan hands Liz the title and Jesse calls her a gold digger. (laughs) Uh, they post some more Hogan's music plays we replay what happened and Jesse tries to point out the fact that Hulk Hogan physically abused a woman Shivani completely ignores him Whew, that was a SummerSlam. You know, so I never watched that before. It's kind of the the whole premise of WrestleMania Salvation, to go back and watch all the old stuff. And I gotta say, it was a lot more enjoyable than I thought it was gonna be. And the reason I say that is because a lot of times those 80s shows can be really boring. But I guess we are, are gliding into a sweet spot in 89 where we're heading into 90 and, and things are a little bit more exciting. Because it wasn't that bad. This wasn't like WrestleMania 1 
or even like Survivor Series 87, man. This was all right. This was all right. They kept me entertained. And I was very happy about that. Uh, if I had to pick a match of the night, obviously the excitement, the the match that the crowd was the loudest for was, was Hogan and Beefcake versus Zeus and Savage, which it should be. That's the main event. Um, I will say low-key main event that I really, not main event, but low-key match that I really liked was uh, Warrior and Rude. You know, I don't think those two get enough credit. I think they had good chemistry. I mean, it's not like Warrior really had good matches with anybody other than Randy Savage, but I liked his matches with Rude. I've never had a problem with them. I've always enjoyed them. Uh, as far as something you could probably skip, there was no point to Dusty and Honky Tonk Man. Other than that noise that the guitar made when it hit Honky Tonk Man in the top of the head. But other than that, <laughs> you could probably skip that one. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me once again in the retro time machine here at the Rundown Wrestling Network. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at WrestleMania Sal. And I look forward to the next few retro episodes we got going on. We're going to have Survivor Series 96 soon. We're going to do another takeover. Guys, this is going to be fun. Because you know I love watching some retro wrestling. But until then... Couple of broken people trying to complete each other under one breath. Listen if you can. Salvive it by legend. You'll see what I like. You look good in the morning. And you don't even know it. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling, and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the Salzer Effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>